Morning and welcome to FantasyGuru.com. It didn't take long for me to screw up the situation with Kyle Frank not in studio. Sorry there was no sounder today. I hit the wrong button, but what the hell, we're off and running. I am Ray Flowers of FantasyGuru.com. Kyle Frank is away today. He'll be back tomorrow here on Fantasy Sports Daily. You can see us every Monday through Friday. We're on 11 o'clock Eastern time, so tune in, and, and we appreciate you whether you're watching on YouTube, which is YouTube.com slash Network. Whether you're watching the show once it's posted at the website, fantasyguru.com. Uh, maybe you're listening on some form of podcast, Pandora, Stitcher, whatever it might be. Thanks for looking us up there and listening. Yes, yeah, so you can see us talking, us video-wise here if you'd like. You can also listen to us just on the podcast, you know, Apple, iTunes, the whole thing. So you can check us out, just you know, search Fantasy Sports Daily. Uh, again, I'm Ray Flowers. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, um, threads, all these places at the Ray Flowers. Again, Kyle will be back tomorrow. Uh, but it doesn't mean we're going to change things up appreciably. We're going to con continue on with our reviews of starting the shortstop position. In fact, let me throw up what we're talking about today. We'll uh, do some news and notes here at the start of the show. Uh, we're going to talk about the Cubs. The Chicago Cubs are the teams we're profiling today. We will start the discussion about the shortstop position as well. Uh, and then you see it there, uh, the preview of the Elite Sports Game Time Show. What the hell is that? Well, I'll tell you in a second, and I'll hit on it later as well. And you'll note there in red, coming up in about 10 or so minutes, you know him as Patio Joe. Uh, Patio Joe will be joining us here. He and I uh, have done a series of articles on Head to Head. We kind of had Head to Head Week. We talked about it a lot here on the show. I uh, thought it'd be a good time to get him in today to have a discussion. And he is more of a Head to Head guy than I am. I've kind of bailed on Head to Head, if you will, because I don't love some of the the minutia of the way the game plays out, on the other hand, Patio Joe loves it. So we'll have a little discussion about, am I right? Is he right? Am I wrong? Is he wrong? I'm going to say neither of us is right or wrong. It's just different. So we'll have that discussion. Uh, as I've said all offseason, we're going to cover head-to-head -head more directly this year because I understand it is something that all of you care about. Uh, if you want to sign up for any of the products, you can see it there on the screen. I'll give a little promo and then we'll jump into the show. FSD20. FSD20 is the promo code at fantasyguru.com. That gets you a 20% discount of what we're offering. And you see it there on the screen. I'm going to take a sip of water here before I cough to death. Wouldn't you know at the time the cow goes away is the time I get a cold. Um, we're we're going to use the promo code FSD20. That gets you a 20% discount whether you want to buy a t-shirt or a hat or you want to subscribe to a product like the baseball product. Right now, the early bird pricing for the baseball product, which is through the entirety of the season. It's not just the preseason. That's $50. Use the promo code FSD20. Drops it down to $40. We also have a great deal right now if you want to do an NBA all-in-one package. Ray, I don't just want to do NBA. Or Ray, I don't even care about NBA. That's okay. Because the NBA all-in package covers everything. It covers NBA, NHL, college basketball, PGA, MMA, soccer, and racing. Yeah, all of that. It's only $75 right now. So check that out over at fantasyguru.com. Okay, preview of the Elite Sports Game Time Show. You can see that on the screen there. What is this? We got a new show, folks. You probably heard uh, the Elite Sports Show with Jeff Manns, which was normally 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, is now going to be 3 to 6 Eastern Standard Time. Jeff is gaining an extra hour. That show will go three hours Monday through Friday again, 3 to 6 Eastern Time. I'll still be on with Jeff on Wednesdays. I'll also be on Monday through Friday on Elite Sports Game Time. Myself and Justin Fenstman, who you know comes on the show all the time. He does all that great work on the hoop side of things for fantasyguru.com. He and I are going to be hosting a show on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio. That's channel 87. Uh, we'll be on 8 to 10, Monday through Thursday, okay? And uh, what we're basically going to do, it's, it's an in-game show. So it's kind of like in the old days when we were kids, it's kind of like Sports Center. 
or it's kind of like the top of the hour news update kind of situation, but we're doing it for two hours. Obviously, we'll go into more depth. We'll focus a lot on the wagering aspect of things. We'll talk about lines and spreads and over-unders, and we'll talk about all the sports that are going on right now. It'll be mostly basketball, of course, some hockey sprinkled in. In about a month, we'll start getting the baseball, and then we'll dive into that on a daily basis. But we're really excited about that. So 3 to 6 is Jeff's show on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. We're on 8 to 10 Eastern time, so there's a two-hour gap between us. But basically five hours of us in the afternoon and evening. Uh, different stylistically shows, but hopefully uh, you'll enjoy that. And again, Justin and I start that tonight on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Okay, let's talk a little bit about some news and notes here before we bring in Patio Joe. There's a lot going down in the world of fantasy baseball. We're updating the rankings constantly. People ask me this all the time. The rankings are updated as needed, okay? And that frequently at this time of year is on a daily basis uh, because of the fact that obviously we've got guys reporting. We, we learned last week, we learned everyone on the Orioles is hurt, right? Adjust the rankings. We're hearing guys are adding pitches, showing up in great shape. Guys are still being signed. We still have a bunch of free agents out there. So the rankings are updated almost on a daily basis at this point. And that will continue up until the start of the regular season. Once the season begins, the, the rankings will be locked for the for a month. But on the first of every month, all season long, May 1st, June 1st, July 1st, August 1st, and September 1st, all the rankings get redone. All of them. So all 600 players get re-ranked. So check for, check for that in season. That's another thing you get in addition to Discord, in addition to all the articles from the me and the staff like Patio Joe. Um, you get the uh, the ability to have those rankings updated every month. So check that out. But right now we're basically updating them every month. And, you know, you, you look at kind of what's going down right now and, you know, look in the last 24 hours or so, here's some of those news stories. Uh, you see Buster Olney is reporting that Liam Hendricks has agreed to a contract with the Red Sox. It's a two-year deal. Uh, it, it, you know, it sounds like a best case scenario for Hendrick coming back from arm issues and his health issues as well. A best case scenario will probably have him back in the second half of the season. So I don't know how much direct impact this has on, we're going to trade Kenley Jansen now, but clearly they're planning for the Kenley Jansen trade because they think Liam Hendricks with health could fill that role in the ninth inning. There's still a lot of rumors out there that Jansen will get traded before the start of the season. So that is an issue that we are paying close attention to. It's very likely where he ends up, he'll be, he'll be the closer and a threat for 30 saves. If he is dealt, who do the Red Sox turn to while they're waiting for Liam Hendricks to get healthy? Uh, John Schreiber was traded over the weekend, so he's no longer an option. So that's one of those stories that has you know, multiple levels to it, and we'll continue to focus on that. We'll discuss it here on the show. We'll update the you know reliever rankings, all of that, over at fantasyguru.com as well. Uh, Whit Merrifield went to the Phillies. He signed a one-year deal for $8 million. Uh, Merrifield is slowing down. He's not the hitter he was two or three years ago, but he's still effective. He's very much been a volume guy, and that's one of the concerns we have heading into this season because we're here in super utility. We're here. He's going to play some second base, going to play some corner outfield. Guys get hurt. Okay. When Merrifield somehow finds his way to 550 plate appearances every year, could easily do that again this year. But if the Phillies stay healthy, you know, it starts getting a little tight. Maybe the 550 plate appearances is 500 plate appearances. Maybe it's 475. You know, and that starts digging away at Merrifield's value because – He's not just a steals guy at this point, but he, he's he's quickly going to that area, and he's going to be a steals guy only if we're seeing the 615 plate appearances drop to 503 because he's just not going to get enough plate appearances to rack up the big numbers that we're used to seeing from him in the counting categories, especially the run scored column. Where he hits in the order will have a huge impact there too. Not likely he's hitting first or second for the Phillies, right? He's probably going to be in the bottom third of the order most of the time. So he's one of these players that you know you can draft late 
in a mixed league, really late in a mixed league. Maybe like an injury happens and all of a sudden he's playing every day and stealing 35 bases for the Phillies. But there are roadblocks to him getting there at this point of his career. Uh, Brett Beatty of the, the Mets. Uh, we're hearing a lot, and there'll be an article out this week at fantasyguru.com talking about pitchers that have changed their repertoire. You know, they've got a drive line, they've added a splitter, all that kind of stuff. We'll track that. There'll be an article later this week at fantasyguru.com. Brett Batty is, is a, a player that's on the other side of things, obviously, third base prospect for the Mets, struggled at the big league level. He's changed his swing mechanics up. So we, we get more of the pitching changes than we do of the hitting changes, generally speaking, at this time of year. But that's something to watch because that youngster was kind of a can't-miss kid. He missed last year. Happens a lot of times for players at the start of their career. Not a death blow by any means to his entire career or anything like that. But the Mets are doing a lot of searching, signing a lot of platoon kind of players at the corner infield spots. And we'll see how the youngster uh, is able to impress or not impress this spring. Uh, you know, you look at Hinjin Ryu, who's way down in the rankings at FantasyGuru.com at the starting pitcher spot. It's unclear if he's going to return to the big leagues or if he's going to go and play uh, in the Korean baseball organization. Uh, hopefully we'll get some clarity on that now. Again, there's still lots of there's still lots of players that haven't signed. And I know a lot of them are the big name guys like Snell and Bellinger, but there's still a lot of pitching teams that need pitching. They always need pitching. Will Ryu apply his skills here or will he go across the sea? We're still waiting on that. And then finally, Shane Baz, the uh, youngster, the potential star of the Rays, one of, I don't know, 59 Rays that have had arm issues and had surgeries. It seems like everyone in that organization has had that at some point. He's coming back from his arm issue. Uh, good early reports. We don't know what his workload is going to look like this season, what they would allow him to do after last year's injury and surgery. We don't know exactly when he'll be back. We're here in summer, maybe, you know, summertime, which is at June, maybe it's July, maybe it's after the All-Star break. Baz is someone that he's he's a great target on draft day if you've got aisle spots, if you've got the ability to stash guys. If you don't have that ability, he becomes tougher to roster because there is no certainty as to when, even if everything goes smoothly, uh, when he'll be back on the hill. A couple news notes before we bring Patio Joe in. Uh, I mentioned coming up this week, uh, you'll see today the first the player profile series has started. We'll, we'll basically be almost putting one of these out a day. We started with Luis and Gifo of the Angels today, so check that out, the in-depth you know, 1,200, 1,500 word uh, reviews of single individual players. We're starting that up, <coughs> excuse me, strongly right now at fantasyguru.com. We've also got the relievers to avoid up today. Tomorrow will be the relievers to target, of course. We'll back end that. A couple more player profiles coming up. Uh, and then we'll start to look at the home run. We've been trying to do things by the week, right? And this week is kind of home run week. So we'll have like four or five articles talking about the home run from a variety of angles, both for the pitching and the hitting side. So hopefully that's intriguing to folks. Uh, and so that's kind of a, a look, at, a peek ahead at what we're doing at the website. Uh, what we're doing here, obviously, is we're continuing to, to go through the shortstop position. We'll hit on them later and continuing our daily look at each team. Uh, we're up to the Cubs today because we're going in alphabetic order. So it's pretty easy to find out uh, where we're turning to next, if that's something you're interested in. Okay, let's get rid of this. Let's get bring you back in. Uh, I mentioned that we kind of have done weeks at a time here. One of the weeks that we have done previously was greatly centered around the gentleman that we're about ready to talk to here at fantasyguru.com on Fantasy Sports Daily. And that's Patio Joe. You know him. You've seen him around. You've seen him in Discord. You, you, you've heard him on the radio show calling in. Uh, he's now part of the crew over at fantasyguru.com. If you weren't aware of that, he's uh, written a bunch of articles in this preseason talking about the head-to-head -head game. And that's why we wanted to bring him in today to have a discussion that hopefully you will enjoy 
around that. So we'll bring him, him in right now. Howdy, Joe. How you doing? Thanks for showing up. All the salutations and all that. Uh, really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you. I'm doing very well. Um, I am very excited to be on here. Like you said, I was the caller of the show. I've been listening to you probably since you've been on Sirius Fantasy Sports Radio. I've been driving. I'll be doing these long nights on a Sunday night, and there's Ray talking, and it's a, just a familiar voice. And for me, too, you know, I started in this industry back in 2016, and Obviously, it's a goal of mine to to be to be doing what I'm doing today. So I'm very excited to be here. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. Appreciate you coming on. And again, you wrote a series of articles about head to head. We'll get into that in one second. Uh, I know you want to give a 60 second, 30 second, whatever, like bio of yourself. You mentioned, you know, you kind of been around, but I know you also have a history in the game of baseball. So share that a little bit uh, with the listeners so they get a little bit more in, uh, understanding of who you are and what you bring to the analysis here. Yeah, um, I played college baseball myself for three years, so I also like love to watch college baseball. Uh, I am 46 years old. I'm married. I have three kids. Um, I'm a lot Los Angeles Dodgers fan. Um, I've been playing fantasy baseball since I was eight years old back in 1986. I was the young kid with my in my dad's league where it was uh, all handwritten and all, all adding up the totals, and it was a sort of a rotisserie league and stuff. And it was, I that's how I've been started. So it's almost 40 years now that I've been playing fantasy baseball. Um, started, you know, obviously I fantasy football, you guys know me. I write the uh, cash review article as well as the the DFS, uh, you know, the uh, contest selection. So now um, I'm a big believer in, in order to be good at fantasy sports, you really need to understand who you are as a fantasy player and go with those strengths. There's so many different platforms to play fantasy sports, DFS, best ball, uh, you know, prop bets and such and such that you need to find out who you are, what your goals are, and then you can be successful. So I, you know, back in back 2015 or, or 2014, 13, 12, around there, um, I was introduced to head-to-head -head points and I was just hooked from the beginning and I've loved it ever since. And I've concentrated more on that and becoming successful in that. And I feel like I have a good uh, formula on how to put yourself in position to win a championship every year. And I have, I had just for the listener's sake, I haven't said it directly on this show. I've had the like exact opposite experience of you when it comes to the head to head game. And so I'm, I've always been a proponent of the seasonal aspect of the Roto scenario. And again, neither one's right. As Joe said, you know, you do what works for you. I used to be a stickler, you know, 15 years ago. Now it's like, I just want people to keep playing. So if you want to play an offensive only, you want to play a home run league, just keep playing, right? Um, but I, I had the experience, and I've written about this a lot, including this year, where, you know, this was back in the salad days of Bonds and, and Sosa, and it's in the article, and I don't remember what it was, but these guys were like, you know, one and three in the MVP vote, and they hit like 112 the last week, and I lost the champion. It's like, come on, man, you know, these guys are hitting 60 home runs, and they disappeared. So I... I am not a fan per se of the, the setup because you can have a cold week and lose. I think on the flip side, that's a lot. That's why a lot of people like it, Joe, because, you know, they say to themselves, look, I'd be in 11th place out of 12 teams, you know, starting August, I'm done. But if I'm in a head to head league and I'm just, I'm keeping pace, right. As long as I make it to the playoffs, I've got a chance. So you think the juice is really why people favor it more, or is it more about just the weekly scenario where you can beat your brother, you can beat your sister, you can beat your boss. You think it's a little bit of both, or does one have sway or the other? I think I think it's a combination. I also think it's it's a lot like fantasy football. 
So the common people, like they, they realize the head-to-head -head aspect, the head-to-head -head points of fantasy football. So it's easier to transition maybe a newer player or somebody who's like a little bit, they, they know about the negatives to the rotisserie league and like, I don't really want to do that. Well, let's try this out. This is just like fantasy football. And I've said this many times. I've called them says, I love the fact that we have a Sunday night. I might have my pitcher going on Sunday night baseball and I need him to get 30 points. So now you're locked in. I need to get this and that. You know exactly what you need. Sort of like, you know, Monday night game in football. I need to get two touch. I need to get 14 points to beat my opponent and stuff like that. It makes it a little bit more interesting on a day to day basis. And but I do agree with you at the end of the season. There's been many times where. I finished first in the league and I just, you know, championship game, I lose it because of, you know, they sit pitchers and they, they, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a process that's frustrating at the end, but I feel like if you can just keep your team in position to get there, you know, good things will happen. Let's set some baselines here. Cause I always think that's important because there are so many different ways to play. Some people have five outfielders, some have three, some it's a 10 team, some it's a 14 team, whatever it might be. Kind of lay out your basics, uh, Patio Joe, of what you think is the right way to do it. If you were setting up a league, this is how you would do it. If I was setting up a league, I would definitely have a, you know, three outfielders, two utilities. I would have a middle infielder as well as a corner infielder. Um, I'm not really into five outfielders in that, but I do like to have more hitting because more most head-to-head -head points leagues – do weight pitching more than they do hitting. So you need to have more hitters in your lineup in order to kind of balance that out. As when we flip to the pitching side, I definitely like having three or four starting pitching spots, which actual SP. And then I like to have at least two RP slots for relief pitching. And then three or four just other pitcher spots that you can choose if you want to have starters or relievers depending on how the league is set up. Now, I also like leagues that have holds as a point value too. I just don't like the saves category. Holds will bring in your, your setup man and make, make it more interesting and uh, kind of make the, the player base bigger if you know you can go after those setup guys too. I think this is one of the areas we disagree is the setup because for me, uh, I think, well, let's say we're using eight or nine pitchers, whatever you know it is. I want pitcher spots. I want the ability to say, look, the matchup this week, this other guy's got five banging starters. I need to focus on that. This guy this week, he doesn't have a single reliever. Okay, well, cool. He's got you know the leading reliever where July 15th, leading reliever on his team's got three saves. All right, I can totally dominate in the relief. I like the ability to manage both the waiver wire and my roster that way. Talk to us a little bit more about why you want definitive starting spots and definitive reliever spots. Because what I find, based upon the questions I get around this scenario, is that people aren't really even interested in starter. They want the guys to do both. So they want the starter that they, they want the starter that's actually a reliever. They want the reliever that's actually a starter because they want to be able to stuff guys into spots that, you know, versus just using a guy because again, I'm trying to target strikeouts this this week or I'm trying to start target saves this week. So tell us why you like having it SP, RP, and pitcher versus just pitcher. It's weird. I feel I feel like maybe the majority of the head-to-head -head points leagues I've been in have just been set up that way. So maybe I've be, just become accustomed to it. I did play in one league where they just had nine straight pitchers. Um, ironically, I wound up winning that league. Um, it's it's something that I would I'm not opposed to. I just feel like I've just been more comfortable, and it kind of forces I guess people to at least have two relievers 
on your squad a closer but these this day and age some leagues you know I, I've I've talked about it in my article some pitchers have dual roles where they have an SP and an RP so you can kind of kind of game the system that way if you want if you have more you can have a, a, a starter in your relief spot like last year Spencer Strider was they had he had a dual role so he obviously had more value that way um, but yeah it's been mostly just what I've encountered more than what I prefer, I think, I guess. Okay. On the pitching side of thing, because that to me has been a thing that oh, I've always struggled with because it's like, okay, we're going to have someone who works really hard and makes 500 roster moves and they're going to win a league because they're just churning, 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 churning. And I, we get people in Discord every day asking who to pick up, right? Should we have start limits each week? Should we have innings limits and minimums each week? Talk to us about that aspect of things because I feel like, you know, look, if we can only make 12 starts a week, we can't stream three guys every day, right? We have to make a decision. Is that something you like? Do we need um, a minimum for innings pitch? Do we have a maximum? Like, how do you handle that part of things? It's definitely, it's, uh, there's certain, there's one league that I'm in that is a dynasty league that we can only carry 10 pitchers, starting pitchers on our roster. That is, you can have as many starts as week, but you can only have 10 starting pitchers on your roster at a time. So it does kind of hamper your strategy if you're wanting to stream and stuff. I also, I, I believe that there's leagues where you have a, like a maximum amount of moves per week that you can make. Obviously, if there's a daily waiver wire or daily moves, we want leagues where you make daily moves. We don't want head-to-head -head leagues, head-to-head -head points leagues where you make a you make your lineup on a Sunday for the rest of the week. That's just not, it's kind of archaic, and I really don't suggest playing in those leagues. Um, but... I do, I do think that having a league where, you know, there's this one league that I'm in where there's, there's no um, uh, restrictions or anything, and it's just fair game. And it's, you know, it's a wonder that I've lost probably two times in like three years in that league because you can, in head-to-head -head points leagues, it's about knowing the settings and understanding that it's the game, that that's the game that we're playing, not a baseball game. We're trying to score as many points to beat your opponent that week. So if the commissioner wants to set it up haphazardly and not and not put in any thought into it, there's definitely advantages you can take from that. I like a league that is set up to where you have a maximum amount of, of moves per week, four, five at the most, and leaving it as that. Starts, it's I I think you need to find a platform that that can that can uh, have that capability to know when you've gone over starts. I've been in leagues where in ESPN leagues where they have starts, but yet on Sunday, if you haven't gone over that amount, for some reason, they let you go over that amount. If you have five guys going, it's, right. just, it's so weird if you're going to do it. So it, I kind of sh sh shied away from that. Um, but I do think that it's okay to be in a league that only has, you can only have 10 starting pitchers. Too. Okay. The, the big elephant in the room, and I really wanted to lead with this, but it doesn't make sense. We're trying to, you know, create a story and talk about this here. We got to talk the waiver wire. Okay. And I agree with you completely. I'm in a ton of leagues, industry leagues, where you set your lineup on Monday and that's it. And I can't tell you how many times that you get a guy injured on a Tuesday and you just take six days of zeros. And it's just stupid. It's just dumb, in my opinion. I think you should be able to adjust your lineup on an everyday basis. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. Set your lineup on Sunday night and just leave it all week. That's cool. It still works. But I want to be able to use my roster appropriately. And it sounds like you agree with that. We should be able to manipulate our roster on a daily basis. Okay. 
Let's take the next step to the waiver wire. For me, and this again was another problem I had when I played head to head is, you know, the last time I played head to head, there was a guy that he, I think he ended up like 511 moves. Like I'm not exaggerating. Like he just went nuts. And this was 20 years ago. So like you said, you've instituted rules. You can only make four or five you know, changes a week. I want people to have a roster that they have to work with. Okay. And to me, when you have open waivers all week, even if you can only make five moves a week, if you have open waivers all week, you know, you, part of the game to me is if my second baseman gets hurt, I need to have a second baseman on my bench that I could put in there. If my catcher gets hurt, I need to have a catcher. You know what I mean? If I lose home runs, I got to have a guy on my bench that hits home runs. So it's about roster construction more so than it ends up being at times where the wave wire is just open. It's like, I lose my second base. Stay cool. I'll just run to the wave wire tonight. Right? So what I end up seeing is, and you know this because you've written about this, what I end up seeing is teams have like one offensive player on their bench and it's all pitching because I can just go to the wave wire tomorrow and replace any guy that gets hurt. You know, to me, that it's kind of a bastardization of the process. because we're trying to approximate a real major league baseball team as we're playing this game of fantasy. I know we're completely different on this. So lay out your reasons why what I just said is something that you don't agree with. Well, I am, I'm always like, you obviously you use your IL spot. So if somebody gets hurt, you move it down and it opens up a spot that you can pick up on the waiver wire. What I'm in is everyday thing where your team's going great on a week. I like to maximize my spots by having, I, I don't like having dead points that I spoke about in my article. I don't like having those guys on my bench that are scoring me that hits a home run and I'm losing that point. If I can, throw that into a reliever that I can throw into my into one of my pitching spots that is going to get me a hold, that is going to get me another save or a couple innings that will get me eight to 10 points a few times a week. That is better and more beneficial when you're trying to beat your opponent on a weekly basis. Um, if you're due, I do suggest having utility guys on your bench that can play multiple positions. That is huge. If you can you have one or two guys as your hitters that can play a middle, a middle, a corner, and an outfield. That's like exactly what you need. Somebody gets hurt, you or somebody takes the day off. It's an easy switch. Um, another reason why I like it is we play in a lot of leagues. We have a lot of if we have a lot of daily moves, knowing that unless there's an injury, your your batters are staying the same. All you got to do is go in and make sure you have certain starters going that day or what relievers you want in there. And then you can move on to the next team. Um, if you're somebody that hasn't a lot of time, maybe that's something great. I'm I'm a big believer in is just drafting a really good core of hitters, and those are your hitters. If there if an injury happens, then we'll make it we'll make an adjustment at that point. But I like to just leave it in there. I don't like playing the the guessing game. Like oh, you know, this guy's got a better matchup today. I'm gonna bench him. Do that. Now we're getting in almost a DFS kind of uh, territory at that point, and you know, it's not, it can work sometimes, and you, but most of the time it doesn't. And you kick yourself like, I should have just left the player in there and not worried about it. Uh, what it when we talk about handling pitchers, because that to me seems to be a real focus here, right? Uh, much less so on the offensive side of things. It's the daily matchup for pitching. It's playing your opponent and looking at how they've got their roster constructed and all that. How do you handle pitchers at the draft? Because one of the things that I've also seen through my experience here is that, and I've used the term invalidate, you don't invalidate the draft, but when you do a head-to-head -head league, there's not much incentive once you're beyond your top three or four guys to hold on to these guys because you're looking for two stars, 
you're looking for advantageous matchups. If your league is very active and everyone's kind of streaming pitchers, guys are always getting dumped that you can pick up. Does that change the way you draft pitchers? Do you, do you wait on pitching because you say to yourself again, uh, you know, Spencer Strider, Garrett Cole, yeah, yeah. But once we start getting to SP5s and 6s, I'm going to be using this guy for 12 starts this year. I'm not going to be planning on him making 28 starts for my team. I think that it it, it depends on how the league is set up. Too, too many leagues are set up that really, really favor the pitching over the hitting. And what in the league that I run, I raise the hitting values more. For, for instance, if you get a double, you get four points instead of two. If you get a triple, you get eight points. If you get a home run, if you hit, it, you know, it's something like that to raise the value of the hitters so you're not completely just going for the top pitchers in the first few rounds, knowing that they're the ones that you need to get. Right now, a good constructed league, the hitters will score more points. The top hitters will score more points than the pitchers. I still like to have three starting pitchers in my first seven rounds if you're doing a startup obviously dynasty keeper there's other things like that but if you're doing a startup i personally like to have three three pitchers in my first seven uh first seven rounds uh just a good start and then go from there because some leagues are different some leagues really really you know they they they, they don't go after pitching and you you're gonna have uh, a good well of pitchers to pick from and some they really really hamper it so you need to kind of be able to, to to change on the fly if that happens. We've spent a lot of time talking about hitting I and mean, pitching. Excuse me. Let's talk about hitting for a second, uh, Joe. What's, is there a style of hitter that you're looking for when you're building a team here? You mentioned positional flexibility, which obviously is important. Are we ignoring guys that are fast? Are we centering on guys that have a lot of power? Is it merely about do you play every day? Like what are some of the traits, the overall traits, not necessarily the players, but the traits we're looking for on the offensive side of things in a head-to-head setup? We're looking for traits that don't give you negative points in so many ways. Um, for instance, you're going to be talking about Ellie Dele Cruz coming up here in a little bit. And is he a top 25 player? In head-to-head points, he's not a top 25 player because I have him scheduled. I have him kind of getting about 170 to 180 strikeouts this year compared to other shortstops or in, in his same range that aren't going to strike out as much. That's, you know, if, if he strikes out 40 times more than the, than the shortstop that, next to him, that's 40 less points you're going to get if you get a negative point. So I'm looking at guys that get on base and that don't strike out a lot. Now, obviously, the power hitters are going to get it, but they make up for it in different ways. Now, if you have a league that's constructed where they're giving you more than one or two points for a stolen base, then the players like Esteri Ruiz – come into play because you can get four points for a steal. You can get more points like that. But if you're only giving one or two points for a steal, that's not going to make up for it, in my opinion. So really, I mean, you can boil it down to we, – we always say know your league rules and your setup and everything like that. But it's with a capital V vital in a head-to-head league that's points that you're checking all the little details. I, I ask this – people ask me questions, and they probably get annoyed with me over in Discord because they ask a question, and I have a follow-up. And I'm like, look – I'm not trying to be a jerk here. I'm trying to give you the right answer. And like you're saying, if it's a half point for a strikeout or a full point for a strikeout, that changes the value. If it's one point for a steal or two points for a steal, that changes. And we're talking, you know, 40, 50, 80. It's a huge gap when you talk about guys scoring 400 points over the course of the season. So that is that like really not the number one thing, but is that really the number one thing 
that you've got to go through it and make sure that you're tailoring your decisions based upon that scoring system? Yes, you need to know the settings in, in, in a head-to-head -head points leagues because everything's a little bit different. I don't think that there's a industry standard when it comes to head-to-head -head points leagues. So I, you need to just really understand the settings. That's It's really, really important. And you have to understand that you are trying to score more points than your opponent this week, not get more stolen bases, not have more wins, not have more of this. If there's one quality that you want in pitching, it's probably you want a quality starts. You're not looking for – you're looking for innings. You're looking for what's going to get you points. That's what you're trying to understand. It's not how many this can I accumulate and, oh, boy, it's going to look great. Now I, I got 20 stolen bases now. No, it's not how it is anymore in head-to-head points leagues. Patio Joe, Ray Flowers here on Fantasy Sports Daily. Really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk about this. Again, there's articles that Patio Joe has written in the draft guide over at fantasyguru.com. He'll be part of the team through the season. Uh, he'll be writing a column every week. I think we're going to have him tackle the fab article on the weekend. So he'll be someone that you'll be asking questions at Discord and all of that. Speaking of that, Patio Joe, where can people find you in Discord? What's your handle there? And where are you at on the social media world? I'm at Patio Joe on Discord and at Twitter. I'm at Patio Joe Ref. Pretty simple. I like it. Simplify things. I used to have different ones myself, and it's like I'm streamlining this because, you know, I want people to be able to find me. Uh, and mm -hmm. so there we are. Um, Patio Joe, appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Uh, any Anything that we missed that you want to hit on before we let you go? Or do you feel like we did a pretty good job of kind of covering this, at least canvassing this as an opening salvo? I think it's great. We can also we can talk about this all the time. Um, I'm, thank you for having me on. I'll come on anytime you want. I'm ready to go. Well, Kyle misses time all the time, so maybe we'll have you back on soon. Mm -hmm. We'll see. <laughs> uh, but thanks for your time today. Look for him again. Social media, the articles at fantasyguru.com, and hit him up in Discord. He'd be happy to answer your questions. Thanks for your time today. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. You got it. Again, that's Patio Joe, folks, part of our crew over at fantasyguru.com. Okay, today you see that they're in the background as we kind of go through the schedule today. Uh, you see the Cubs, right? And that's good because today the team we're talking about is the Cubs. All right, there you go. And our player profile is on Seiya Suzuki. And Kyle mentioned him uh, last week, I think it was. They all run together. I, I feel bad about this. Like the shows run together sometimes. That's why we store them at fantasyguru.com. That's why they're on YouTube at youtube.com slash at Elite Plus Network. So you can go back and look at these things. But we talked about uh, Seiya Suzuki when we were talking about second half stats last week. And the fact is that, as you can see on the screen there, there's a big difference between his first and second half. Almost 200 OPS points, which is a massive spread. Interestingly enough, the numbers in year two, I think, were much more indicative of the expectations coming into year one. Uh, 14 home runs and nine steals as, as, a, as a first year player in the States. You know, there are people that were thinking 2015 was kind of the floor here for him. Didn't happen. In year two, it didn't happen. So he didn't steal the bases, but the bat played as expected. And that brings up, you know, the scenario of the, the players coming over from foreign countries and how the game is different, the baseball is different, the schedule is different, the style of play is different. Like, there's all these changes, and it's very difficult to get a handle on the imports. Uh, and again, Suzuki, we I did a player profile on him last year. Everyone was doing it, videos, we were analyzing all these things, and it just didn't happen as a rookie. But in year two, it kind of did. Uh, now, it was strongly weighted by that second half as, as we're looking at here. And as we discussed when we talked about uh, the second half last time out, it's tough to say, you know, I don't, I don't think that he's a 750 OPS guy, say a Suzuki. Is he a 940 OPS guy? I don't think he's that guy either. 
I think in this case, we've got an 842 OPS overall. His career number is 811. I think that's really who we're going to get. So if your expectations are you're getting a superstar, I think you need to dial those back. If your expectations are you're getting a guy that you can start every day, I think we're in a great spot. Could he hit more runs in the 28 last year? I would I would expect him to hit 25 home runs this year. Yes. Could he still more than the six bases? I think he can get 10. Is it going to be something substantial? Probably not. I think a real key for him is that he's kind of in the Brian Reynolds zone, if that makes sense. He's a guy that doesn't do any single thing, stand out. Like he's not going to steal 35. He's not going to hit 35 home runs. He's not going to bat 300. He's not, but he's just good. And so the real key for Say Suzuki, he played 111 games in year one. He played 138 last year. The real key for him is playing 150 games. And if he plays 150 games, being the player he's been in total, that's pretty good. If he plays 150 games as the guy he was last year, that's really good. And again, we're, we're in the Brian Reynolds zone. So I think he's a very stable piece. I think we've already seen the floor with him. I think there is still more of a ceiling to be given with, with uh, Say Suzuki. But I don't think it's MVP level breakout kind of stuff with him. So he's a good stabilizer in the outfield. Uh, but he's not someone that I look at and think to myself, oh, my gosh. He's going absolutely bananas this season. Let's continue to talk about the Cubs. We've been looking at, you know, four players on the Cubs. We've been looking at four players on every team beyond the player profile we've done. Uh, first one is, say, Suzuki. we just discussed. Four questions. Ian Happ. Who is Ian Happ? Simple question with Ian Happ. He's 29 years old now. Uh, he's a player that at various times is qualified at second base and outfield. This year he comes in just as an outfield option, so that dings his value a little bit. But you look at what he did with his bat last year and, you know, in year seven or eight, whatever it was, seven year last year, it finally happened. Was it year eight? Yeah, it was year eight. I should learn how to count. Year eight, it finally happened. He finally became in year eight the guy that we saw as a rookie and anticipated him being for his entire career. What does that mean? Power was there. He played every day. Uh, he stole a few bags. He got on base. Like this was a really strong season for Ian Happ. But who is he? Is he the guy from last year? Is he the guy from the previous years? Is he going to take a next step this year? Let's ixnay that. He's not taking a step. I don't think that's likely. Is he reverting to a guy that hits 230 with 17 home runs? I really don't think so. I think he pretty much is the guy that we saw last year. And remember here with him, he's missed four games each of the last two years. He's played 148 or more games each of the last three years. He's been playing every day, which is fantastic. We really rack up those counting category numbers. He's stolen at least nine bases each of the last three years. So he does a little bit there. Stole 14 last year with the new rules. So, you know, he can steal double-digit bases again, which is always nice. His batting average is 249 for his career. His on-base percentage is 343. I think analyzing the totality of who he is, that's who we're going to get. So he's not a drain in a roto traditional 5 by 5 league. He's not a drain there, but he's a league average batting guy in terms of that piece. If you're in an on-base percentage league, though, like we have in Tout Wars, he does go up. So, you know, points league goes up a little bit, too. Because last year, by the way, his 22% strikeout rate was the best of his career. So we're seeing huge walk totals. We're seeing the strikeout rate come down. He's an example of someone who would be very attractive in a head-to-head setup. The next guy to talk about is Christopher Morell. And the question with Christopher Morell is, is he going to hit enough for the power to play up? Or is he Patrick Wisdom too? Now, maybe that's taking it too far. Uh, he's only 24 years old as Morell. Uh, and he socked a bunch of home runs, 42 home runs in just 220 games played. But he's a massive strikeout guy. 
in opposition to Ian Happ, who we just talked about at 22% in the strikeout column, for his young career, it's 32% for Christopher Morrill. And when you, you know, and you'll see his batting average of 241, you have to say to yourself, when you swing and miss this much, when you don't make contact, hitting 241 is kind of the top end. And the problem with this approach, and we've even seen it with him, there's been times where he's been white hot and one of the best hitters in baseball. There's been other times where he's hit, you know, 201 for two weeks. You run into the potential of the Joey Gallo-ness, if you will, of Christopher Morrell. The fact this player in a head-to-head setup, he's a poor option because there are going to be weeks where he hits three or four home runs and drives in nine. There's going to be other weeks where he bats 168. And he has been very streaky. He has been very productive. He's got the ability to hit 30 home runs over a full season. He could still 10 bases over a full season. Like these are absolutely doable numbers for him. But there's so many strikeouts and there's so many peaks and valleys that it's, I know they're saying he's part of the daily lineup. And as the way that roster is currently constructed, it makes a lot of sense that Morrell is part of the daily lineup. But they do have Patrick Wisdom. And, you know, Patrick Wisdom is a very similar type of player uh, in that, you know, when he's going well, he's carrying a team. When he's not, he's just, you know, a fan within the crowd with the as the swings go by. But he's got a very similar skill set. Uh, they're both righties, too. So that's they were looking to trade Wisdom. Maybe that happens and all that. But I'm not bullish on Morrell. Just too many strikeouts, though, again, if you're looking for a 30-10 possibility, he fits that mold, and he also is defensively flexible depending upon how your league is set up. Next guy to talk about is my breakout pitcher of the year in 2023, and it's Justin Steele. Um, the question is there simply, can he repeat what he did last season? Uh, and I find myself in an odd position because last year I said, you know, Steele or bust. Like he's, he was my breakout pitcher of the year. And he went from an ADP of 295 when the article came out, 295, to being a top 10 pitcher in baseball last year in the fantasy space. So it was a massive hit. Uh, my breakup pitcher of the year will be out in about 10 days, comes out on the 29th this year. He was fantastic. So I find myself oddly being the guy that's saying you had to get him last year. Now everyone in the industry is like, we well, got to get him this year. And now I'm like backing off a little bit. <laughs> I think that Steele is an ideal third starter, four starter type in a mixed league. I think that you look at the ratios and there has to be a slight concern about an ability to fully repeat. Uh, he's still basically that two-pitch guy. They're funky. I wrote about it in the preseason last year. It's why I was so in. Could he replicate what he did last year? I think he could, but the ratios to me tick up a little bit. And it's I'm not talking about a four and a half ERA and a one-three whip, nothing like that. But you know, enough to say he's not SP9 this year, he's SP23 this year or SP33 this year, right? So still like him. I think that the durability factor, if you're in a head-to-head setup, quality starts league, he was someone that really offered that last year. I think that piece is solid. And you know me, I'm a mark when someone's able to take the ball on a consistent basis. Let's look at the the, the uh, bullpen and, and finally finish out with our fourth guy, Albert Alzale, who has got good stuff, uh, kind of a failed starter type, which is oftentimes what happens with relievers. Uh, he kind of found his footing. He, he'd struggled to find a role at the big league level, consistently found his footing last year, saved 22 games, struck out a batter per inning, whip was barely won, all this excitement and intrigue with what he has to offer. Now, the problem with him is he saw a strikeout rate really regress last year compared to 2022, which is not surprising because 2022 was a sample size thing, only through six games. 27% strikeout rate works, totally works. It's not, it's not fantastic, but it totally works. 
he really makes up for the lack of dominant strikeout stuff with the ability to keep the walks in check, right? And that's very intriguing. You know, last year he had a 5% walk rate. So, you know, you look at his strikeout to walk ratio, it's 21%. So it's a really strong number. Could he replicate the success he had last season? He could. And there are options, one we'll talk about in a second. There are some options in this bullpen for the Cubs. But, you know, as a 29-year-old who's kind of, you know, gone beyond the point of this guy's going to ever become a dominant force, Alzelay is also someone that they could utilize in the first half and then potentially trade the Cubs. And if they did that, he'd likely go into a setup role. So something to keep in mind with him. I don't think it's it's smart to, uh, again, expect a replication of the, the ratios with Albert Osley, but I do think it's quite possible that he has a very another very useful fantasy season, racking up 20-plus saves for the Cubs. A uh, player to target with this team is Hector Norris. Uh, Norris is another guy who's not replicating his ratios from last year, but he's been one of the more consistent season-to-season, season, not week-to-week. Week-to-week, he's all over the place. But season-to-season, season, one of the more consistent setup men in baseball, uh, there's a... a a not high likelihood, but there's a potential scenario here where he ends up taking over the ninth inning from Alzale. His ADP right now is in the 550s, 560s, something like 567. I'm looking at my notes. No one's even drafting him. So he's someone to, to take a chance on if you're in a really deep league as your last pitcher or basically just put him on your watch list. And then the player to avoid is Christopher Morel. We talked about him earlier. If the ADP was 298 instead of 198, which it actually is, I'd be totally fine with it. At that price point, I'm just not in on Christopher Morrell. So that's the Cubs. Uh, tomorrow we'll continue. We've been doing one team a, a day, and we'll do that until we finish all 30 squads at the major league level. Uh, today, obviously, was the Cubs. Kyle Elfring will be back tomorrow, and we'll get back into our little bit more of a rhythm. Uh, the shortstop position uh, is the position we're talking about this week. When we start talking about the shortstop, we always talk about the guys at the top. So let's go through the top 12 guys in terms of value earned last season in the fantasy space. Bobby Witt. Francisco Lindor, Corey Seager, Trey Turner, C.J. Abrams, Gunnar Henderson, third base as well, Gunnar Henderson, Haseon Kim, who qualifies at second, third, and short, uh, Xander Bogarts, who's going to play second base this year, who's going to pick up dual position eligibility, which is nice for Xander Bogarts at least this year, Bo Bichette, Wander Franco, uh, Don Gansey Swanson, and J.P. Crawford. So those are the top 12. Is J.P. Crawford likely to repeat as a top 12 guy? I'm going to say no. Wanda Franco, is he ever going to play again? We don't know, right? So that's two guys right there. Uh, Dansby Swanson plays every day and is good. He doesn't have an outstanding skill, but he plays every day and he's good. So if you end up with him, there are worse places to be. It's not sexy, but he always does his thing. Uh, Bo Bichette very likely improves a little bit based upon what he did last year. I mentioned Xander Bogarts and the fact he's picking up a second position because he's going to play second base. His teammate Kim, three positions. Gunnar Henderson, two positions. He had the oblique issue he's dealing with, but it sounds like it's not a big deal. So uh, we, I think we bumped him down a spot in the rankings, Gunnar Henderson, just because of that concern. But nothing to be concerned about overly so at this point in time. C.J. Abrams had a terrific second half. I told the story many times, including on podcasts last year. C.J. Abrams has always been my guy, always been my guy, always been my guy. Almost exactly at the point last season where I said, it's just not going to happen this year. Like, there's just too many negatives. Almost at that exact moment, it happened. <laughs> so hopefully you didn't drop him if you had him. I apologize if that worked out. Because as soon as I said that, he started doing exactly what I thought he always could do, which is so exciting. He's got a really strong hit tool, can steal bases. Ended up as the number five guy last year with his great run last half of the season. Uh, so very bullish on him again this year. Trey Turner, we know what we got there. Corey Seager is going to start a little bit late because of injury. They're hoping he's ready for opening day. 
Francisco Lindor and Bobby Witt, 30-30 kind of guys, as we saw last year. Uh, interesting, Lindor, and I always find this interesting. Lindor said he wasn't at 100% physically last year, which is fascinating to me. When these guys make these claims, it's like he went 30-30. And then our, our inclination is, well, if you weren't fully healthy, maybe you go 35-35. Don't play that game. You know, don't, don't do that to yourself and expect 35-35, even expecting 30-30, like everything has to go right. So understand what players are saying when they make comments like that. Before we shut things down here on the show, uh, the article today, and again, the draft guide at fantasyguru.com is available right now. Every single day until the start of the regular season, there'll be a new article. It is a draft guide because that's what we call it. In reality, it's a full season product. Use the promo code FSD20. You see it on the screen there as well. FSD20, use that. You get 20% discount off the early bird pricing. Drops it down to $40. I honestly, hand, hand to God, I honestly don't know when we're going to adjust the pricing. Okay, so get in now because the pricing is likely to go up in the preseason. The closer we get to opening day, the more the price goes up. And you can still use the promo code FSD20, get the 20% discount. Okay, but you might as well get the discount off the early bird pricing. So check it out right now. Uh, The article we're talking about right now is old, new, and next. Let me see if I can get the picture up. There we go. Get the picture up on the screen for those of you watching on YouTube or at fantasyguru.com or even on uh, X. We're also on there. We live stream on there while we're doing that. Basically, as you can see there, this is just kind of a quick overview of where teams are at. Old, new, and next, basically what it sounds like, right? Who's an old guy that, you know, the age is creeping up, declining skills. Who's the new guy, someone that established himself, really established himself last season. And next, obviously, is someone that could make an impact in the near future, hopefully as early as this season. And we, I did this for all the divisions and all the teams. And you can see there the AL Central on the screen. So that's the teams that we'll just talk about today. But this is the same thing we've done for all the squads. There's a write-up too. It's not just, hey, there's the player's name. There's a little bit of a write-up with some description as well. So it's a full article. It's not just a chart. Uh, you can see there, you know, guys like Bieber and Paul DeYoung. The White Sox are interesting because there's no real old guys on the White Sox because they just, they're not very good. <laughs> and like Paul DeYoung, like no one, who's the hell's drafting Paul DeYoung? But He's going to be their starting shortstop until Montgomery is ready, right? So had to throw someone on that list, so he's the guy. The Twins are an interesting one. Uh, we talked last week about Royce Lewis when we were discussing the third base position. He's the new guy. He's the guy whose ADP is, you know, inside the top 60. Like, people are looking at him and seeing what he did last year in the regular season and then into the playoffs. And they're thinking this guy can be an absolute superstar. He can go 30-20. He can do it as early as this season. So he's the new guy. Uh a lot of expectations for a guy that's had a lot of injuries, as we discussed last week on the show. Uh, the next guy is Brooks Lee, one of these can't-miss kids. You can find discussions about him in the uh, rookie section of the, of the website. Go to Seasonal at the top, articles, rookies. That brings up our top 50 for the year. That brings up our scouting reports. You can get more on Brooks Lee there. And then the old guy, and this one, you know, Byron Buxton. We talked about Buxton, I think it was last week as well, when we were talking about Royce Lewis. Uh, Buxton shows up in camp. He says his knee feels great. Hasn't felt this good in years. Man, I hope it happens. Okay. But when it's year after year after year after year, if it's not happening. Now, let's look up his ADP right now. um, How far has it fallen? I'm going to talk at the NFBC's ADP. See, here's the thing. In the month of February... And this is lower than it's been, of course, in years. But a 242 cost for Buxton, I'm okay with that, you know. But 
you know, because you look at the guys that are around him and it's Jung Ho Lee and Ryan Jeffers and, you know, Junior Caminero and Elias Diaz. Like when you're in that zone of players, sure, take a chance on Byron Buxton. But you can't, you just can't. Don't do this to yourself. Say he's going to hit 35 home runs and still 19 bases. Just don't. If you're okay with taking Byron Buxton at that price point, if you're okay with the understanding that the odds, the over-under for games played, and I'm not looking at the sports book, but what is it, 81? Like legit. If you're okay with that and the volatility that he's going to bring physically with the understanding that he is a dynamic baseball player, then have at it. But understand the situation you're putting yourself in because there are a lot of risks that we're hoping on just that little tiny payoff. So again, old new next is up at the website right now. We go through all the teams. There's a chart there. Uh, Then there's a little bit of a description of what these guys are, who they are, all that kind of stuff. So you can check that out. Uh, I mentioned earlier that it's kind of home run week, so look for those articles to start to come out at fantasyguru.com. We started our player profile series officially today with Luis Rangifo. Uh, that's up over the weekend if you missed it. What is left on base rate? What is the strand rate you hear from time to time? Article about that. What is batting average of balls in play? Well, you probably know what it is, but what do you really need to know about it? How does it work? How can we utilize it as a tool in the fantasy space? So people do it well, so people do it wrong. So make sure you read that article on batting average and balls of play because I think that's a, a great starter point uh, for people that may rely a little bit too heavily on batting average or balls in play and may not um, completely understand what it also means. So there we go, folks. Don't forget tonight uh, to tune into Sirius XM Fantasy Sports. Right? I guess starting this afternoon, the Elite Sports Show with Jeff Manns is now 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, and an extra hour each and every day of Jeff Manns screaming and yelling. We'll have a couple-hour break. And then starting at 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock, Monday through Friday, Eastern time. So 8 to 10 Eastern, Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio Channel 87. Myself and Justin Fensterman will be hosting Game Time. So check that out. It's a live show. We're going to be talking about what's going on in the real world. Right now, we're going to kind of do an intro because basketball is on a break. Baseball hasn't got started yet. So the first couple shows are going to be more of a talk show form that you're kind of used to. But uh, later this week, when basketball picks up, We'll be talking about, you know, Kevin Durant in game. We'll be talking about Dame Lillard. He just hit a three to win a game. We'll be talking about Steph Curry, and he just, oh, my God, he tweaked his ankle. What does this mean? Does Clay Thompson, who's missed time lately because his skills are eroding, does he have to take on a larger role for the, the, the Warriors tonight as well as moving forward? We'll be breaking things down live in game. We'll even have audio, like, you know, someone hits a home run. Here's some audio. Someone hits a game-winning, you know, three from the corner falling into the seats. Here's the audio. Justin and I, again, uh, will be on every uh, – Monday through Thursday, no Friday, every Monday through Thursday. Uh, Check this out on uh, the Elite Sports Game Time Show. So there it is, folks. Uh, Thank you so much for listening again on uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash at Elite Plus Network, at fantasyguru.com. You can find the article. Uh, Don't forget, I mean, the article, the video, if you will, depending upon how you want to break that down. You can always find us on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on Pandora, search Fantasy Sports Daily there. And we're here Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern time, live if you want to ask us questions. Sorry I didn't get too many questions or thoughts today. I'm doing all this stuff myself, so it was a little bit of a challenge to, to navigate all that. But uh, thanks, Brian, Greg, David, D-Money Sports, all of you, Ivan, all the folks in the chat room, really appreciate you listening here. Don't forget to hit us up over in the Discord at FantasyGuru.com if you have any questions as well. The whole team is there uh, 24-7 helping you answer the questions that you need to have success. So use that promo code FSD20. Sign up for our product for baseball. Sign up for football. Sign up because we do have football right now still. 
franchise mode for the offseason. Don't forget about the all-in NBA package, uh, which is spectacular. It includes the NBA, college basketball, NHL, PGA, MMA, soccer, and racing. All that to $75 for all the sports. So check that out at the site right now. That's also a great bargain. Uh, tomorrow, Kyle Elfrick will be back, as you can see there, 11 o'clock Eastern, Monday through Friday here on Fantasy Sports to Daily. Uh, appreciate your time today. We'll talk to you soon, which is tomorrow, 23 hours from now, in the words of Kyle Frank. I'm Ray Flowers for FantasyGuru.com. You've been listening to Fantasy Sports Daily. Take care.